from the left hash. Falcons trailing by one. Who from 63 yards out? It was blocked. And the Saints win the season opener in dramatic come from behind fashion. Trailed by 16 points in the fourth quarter. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. You Saints all winners that Saints game yesterday. I mean, holy, holy glorious. I mean, goodness, goodness. We got a lot to get into this morning. The Sun Belt reigns supreme. Two wins on the road against top 10 teams, bringing home collectively $2.75 million in the process. I don't know what the paycheck was that Georgia Southern got from Nebraska, but it ain't $15 million, which is what Nebraska's paying Scott Frost to not coach him after he got fired because Georgia Southern punked him. Tale of two halves at Cajun Field Saturday, that's fair to say, but... A dominant second half. We'll talk to Coach Michael Desermo in 10 minutes, as we do each Monday. LSU clobbered Southern. You expected it. More talk about the ban, understandably so, than the game itself. The early window in the NFL yesterday was sensational. The late window with the afternoon games, at least the ones that were the games of the week, nationally televised, in the Sunday night games were stinkers. Absolute stinkers. But don't let that distract you from the fact that the rest of that schedule was tremendous. Absolutely tremendous. Holy cow. Going to be here with you until 9 o'clock this morning. We got two hours of the Great Scott Show. We'll talk to Coach Desimo at 7.15. The rest of the show will have open phone lines for you, 337-269-1077, like they are right now. If you want to hit me up, got time for a call or two to kick off the show, but, man, I, I'm Dennis Allen said it best. I hope they're not all like that one. I hope they're all not like that. I mean, woof. But, you know, 
Falcons right now, how you feeling? Yeah, just pain. It was pain everywhere. Yep, thank you, Jameis. Just pain. Oh, I mean, part of me is still processing that game. Let's process it together. Good morning. Welcome into the great Scott show. Hello. Scott, you nailed it on the head. You said the offensive line would be the question mark, and they were definitely a massive question mark on Sunday. That was rough to watch for the first half, man. Well, yeah, they they they, they got a lot of work to do. But, you know, Ramchick yeah. didn't play in the preseason. He didn't need to. James Hurst missed most of it. Um, they got thrown around. I mean, Atlanta had 18 sacks all of last season. They had four early in the third quarter. But, um, you know, I, I don't know why Atlanta decided to stop blitzing when the Saints went hurry up. I thought that was dumb. Uh, but the Saints will take it. I mean, listen, go and look at, at, at week one last year and look at some of the scores. And it's, it is undoubtedly, no matter what, the most um, overanalyzed week of the season. We all overreact. Now, look, if you have, if you have a significant injury or, or, or something, that's different, right? But if you just, you know, lose a game, um, you know, it's, it's it, it, we're, we're going to overreact. I mean, that's, that's how it's going to be. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's last oh. year, last year it was, um, you know, the Bucks beat the Cowboys on the, on the Thursday night opener. I think it was a two-point game. And everybody was talking about how great they looked and how it was going to be an NFC Championship rematch. And then last night, you know, the game happens and it's, boy, the Cowboys, you know, they're going to fire Mike McCarthy, you know, yesterday. And the Bucks, even in a win, didn't look all that great. It, You know, it's just, it's it's different, man. It's different. I mean, the Seahawks beat the Colts by double digits on the road. And everyone's, oh, Seattle's going to be pretty good this year. No, they're not. They're not very good at all. Um a lot of that, and that that's going to happen. That's going to happen this year as well. There's some there's some scores yesterday that we're going to look back at. I don't know which ones. We're going to look back at in a month or two and be like, man, that was that was that was crazy. What was that? Yeah, Joe Burrow's not throwing four interceptions and fumbling the ball in the game again this year. Probably not. But so I think I think that well, is, they uh, won their it, season it was, opener last year. By the way, maybe the Vikings. Yeah. In overtime yesterday, they lost it. Man, that game, that game was crazy. I mean, there's so many wild games in that early window yesterday. Oh, it, it was 100 percent wild, but it was it was good to see a win, and it was good to see Mike Thomas being Mike Thomas. That was just really exciting. I just watching him play that well. Um, but no, nah, man, that's that's all I, I call for. And uh, my condolences to Norm uh, for his Cowboys. R.I.P. Uh, good luck, Norm. I'll holler at y'all later. I mean, the, the, we, t- we said it. It's going to take one bad performance, and then Mike McCarthy, all of the heat's going to be on him, and the Sean Payton talk will start immediately. I mean, it, it, was, it took, what, a quarter of the se- – one quarter into the game one of the season? Dak Prescott now going to miss six to eight weeks. The Cooper Rush Show. Yay. How about them Cowboys? Yeah, look, the O-line struggled. Jameis needs to get the ball out faster, though. But the O-line struggled. My, the, the bigger concern for me, honestly, yesterday was the D-line through a, a number of quarters, not getting much of a push. Expect more out of that D-line. But it's also week one, guys. Week one in the NFL when teams are not tackling much in, 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 in practice anymore and, and much less in training camp. They're only allowed so many. I mean, that's it's week one, which we'll dig into quite a bit. Throughout the show today. We got Coach Mike Desimo. We're going to talk some college football as well in the next segment. Got time for one or two more quick phone calls. Good morning. Welcome into the show. 
Yeah, I just sent you an email about the uh, where was the the D line? Where was the pass rush? Like that was aggravating. Like you said, it's week one. You know, um, it was we- it was it was, but- it was it was weak. I mean, they didn't get a single sack. If you had told me one team's going to get four sacks and another's going to get zero, I would have said, "Oh, it's the Saints." The Falcons got eighteen all the last season, and they haven't done you know a ton. And Grady Jarrett's a good player. And obviously, Mariota is not Matt Ryan, so he's not a sitting duck out there. I mean, he can he can move his feet a little bit, but uh, it, it, to me, it was the most disappointing because the O line I, I don't have big expectations for. I think they can improve a little bit; they just have no depth at all, um, and and they'll they'll figure some things out. But you got to see more from something that you know you expect to see good things out of Week One, and, and you didn't really get it yesterday, but. Well, it's a lot. It's a, it's a lot nicer to uh, to fix things or attempt to fix things after a win rather than a loss, especially a hilarious loss if you're looking at it from Atlanta standpoint. Um, is Calo right? Because uh, the way Michael Thomas played in that fourth quarter, I think uh, I think he had that side effects of four more hours. <laughs> yeah, he needs to call a doctor, huh? <laughs> he needs to call a doctor, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Thomas, man, hey, man. Yeah, week one, you know, I'm not tripping. But, man, Jameis, once he came out that tent, I don't know what they gave him smelling. So. Yeah, man, I don't know what it was. Pain, pain everywhere. Whatever they gave him, he came out. They went to that two-minute. In Atlanta, I don't know if they just were, you know, because the Saints were in a hurry up, just just couldn't figure out. Maybe we should try to call a blitz or figure it out without. Yeah, I. The fact that they stopped blitzing was just. I, that what once I get it when you're up 16 and it's in the fourth quarter. But once the Saints go 90 something yards in four plays and it's a one possession game, you can't come out and do the same thing defensively the next time they have the ball. Uh, but you know it's the Falcons, so you know just laugh at them and, and enjoy the win and move on. Troutman, did he get a uh, a target? I don't. I don't think he did. Um, let me look at the official stat sheet. No, no targets for him. This might, hey, man, to me, yesterday, the MVP of that game to me is Taysom Hill, man. You know, I'm not a big fan of him, but, man, just him coming in, kind of settling, settling things down, especially on that long run, man. Well, like, if, that, I mean, if, 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 if you want to, you know, actually look at what Taysom did, I mean, they had absolutely nothing for three quarters offensively outside of two Taysom Hill runs. And and without it, if yeah. it's not a sixteen nice point game in the fourth too. quarter, I mean, you just, you know, and that's how that's how Taysom needs to be used. I remember, I don't remember who I was debating with, but I was like, you you still need to use him in that role a lot. Oh, I don't like when they sub quarterbacks. I'm like, it 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 works. Look at the, I mean, coming into this season, he's averaging over five yards a carry. It works, and when it does work, um, you know, sometimes it's a jolt to the offense when they really need, you know, a shock, and uh, and they needed it yesterday, and. I'm glad he gave it to him, but yeah, it's not. It's not. I don't think it's sustainable. It's not something you want to use as your entire offense by any stretch. But when you need it, man, you know, break that glass and use it. And uh, I don't. I don't know why they didn't use it on the two point conversion. That that call by Carmichael was awful. Uh, yeah, it was awful. Uh, I don't know what that was. Who me? No, I just. I don't know. I don't know what that call was. It was just bad. Yeah, Josh made a good point, man. Um, Reeves, man, hurts. Like I said, man, it's, it's week one. You know, they made some adjustments that have, uh, or the Falcons, like it was free, man, who knows? But hey, man, it's the Falcons, like you said, man. And um, what they weed at. <laughs> 
Oh, okay. They're flying flags around saying weed that. DeMario Davis carried one to the press conference after. I loved it. It was great. That was great. Thank you. you. I mean, there were so many moments yesterday where it's like, this ain't really, I mean, so many game-losing moments, and they still didn't lose the game. And, yes, if it was a halfway decent team, the Saints would have lost yesterday. Don't fool yourself. Don't fool yourself. But, like, I don't even know where. I mean, the the, the missed two-point conversion, the intentional grounding, the drop Marcus May pick, the holding and the, the personal foul on Marshawn Lattimore, the first three quarters, like all those things. We're going to get back to the Saints. Right now, though, Louisiana Rage Cajun football. How about the Sun Belt? See the lines lit up. We'll have to get to your calls later. Because the Cajuns have won again. They were dominant in the second half. First half, we'll ask Coach Des about it. He joins me every Monday, 7.15. He joins me next, back in a minute, right here on The Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, the best ticketed sports. Are you ready for week two of Thursday night football? Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. See, it's simple. Bet on LA or Kansas City to win. If your team leads by seven at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. I'm Scott Prather, and I'm telling you to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 1420 to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1420 only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued is free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. <laughs> You, my friend. I'm glad I did this test on you, the friendship test. What? You got the best seat in the house. ESPN Lafayette. ESPNLafayette.com and the ESPN Lafayette app. Snap. Wooldridge still has the ball to the end zone. Touchdown, Louisiana. Pierce Meagle. Williams goes in motion. Back to throw is Fields. And Fields across the middle is caught. Touchdown, Louisiana. Neil Johnson. And the Cajuns have opened a two-score lead with 11 minutes to go. And the third touchdown pass of the night for Chandler Fields. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Monday morning's football season. The head coach from Louisiana. Winners of 15 in a row. That remains the longest win streak in Division I football in the NCAA. Um, we were saying it during the game. Taylor two halves. He said it after the game. Taylor two halves. We're here to talk about it with him. Coach Mike Desimo on the line with us. Good morning, Coach. How are you? I'm doing great, Scott. Good morning. How are you? Coach, I'm great. I'm great, man. It's it's football. Um, you know, a, a lot of good guys went over the weekend. I'm doing well. The um, w- when you have a game that feels so polarizingly different, um, not just because of the unique lightning delay and all that, but the first half and the second half. How do you approach film? Like, do you do you show them? Do you 
show the team more of the second half and here's what you did right, more of the first. Like it's, I, I can't remember games, Coach, that felt so different from one half to another. Um, no, I mean, I mean, you you show both, you know, and, and you have to spend. I think, I think it's important to show them the things, you know, in the first half whenever it wasn't going well, kind of the issues, and it's the, the issues there, you know, for us in particular were just, you know, I, I think that the guys were probably trying a little bit too hard to, uh, probably trying a little bit too hard to do the things that we emphasized all week. You know, we talked about the size up. Hey, Coach, I think we lost you there. Thanks for calling right back. All right, so we had you. You were talking about the issues up front and the guys maybe trying to do too much. That's where you cut out there. Yeah, you know, we emphasize, you know, getting movement on the double teams. And, you know, I think we're a little bit out of control coming off the ball in the first half and trying to get to the second level fit on the uh, combination blocks. You know, at running back, um, we, you know, talked about pressing the blocks and bringing the backers to the blocks and all those things. And, you know, we had some runs where, you know, they weren't very good. We pressed them, you know, we pressed them too hard and, you know, we we're trying to, trying to make them decisive and, you know, we kind of run into the, into the backs of the blockers. So, I mean, there's a fine line, you know, between doing it the way you want to and, and trying too hard. And, you know, at quarterback in the first half, I thought, you know, I thought really, you know, we played pretty good. You know, he had three, uh, you know, we had three drops in the first half and the ball was going where it was supposed to go. But, um, you know, he probably we probably could have thrown a couple more of the RPOs. You know, it was kind of fifty-fifty. Could have thrown them, would have helped a little bit, alleviate some of that pressure on the O line, the running backs. But um, you know, it was kind of like you know one of those deals. It's like you know when everything, anything that can go wrong will. You know, we had two balls that got dropped because the sun, one of the what the sun was in their eyes, and it's like we got sun on that field for about ten minutes during the day, and so it was uh it was kind of one of those deals. It was like man, this is a this is unbelievable. It's like everything is uh is, is kind of going wrong that possibly can right here. So um, you got to show them that, and then you got to show them the second half. Whenever you just relax and get back to the things that work for you, you know you have some success. So that that was just you know I think you gotta you gotta show them both ends of it. So the you know you kind of reference a few of the issues in the first half, and you know guys. I, it sounds like, Coach, maybe when you say trying to do too much or within the game plan, is that another way of saying maybe they just weren't letting the game come to them come to them naturally or maybe just not not, being, not playing loose enough? Is that another way to put it, maybe? Maybe. You know, like, I don't think it was an uptight thing. I think it was just, you know, man, we've we got – I mean, we've got great kids, you know, and, like, they, you know, they trust us and they listen to us and they believe in us. And, you know, we, we, we hammered home. You know, that, man, if we can get movement on these double teams, you know, we're going to win the game. And, you know, I mean, so they were they were coming off the rock, you know, wasn't all the technique that you want. You know, I mean, we were sometimes, you know, head down. You know, we were we were a little bit overzealous, I guess, in our uh, in our attempts to move the down linemen. And then you're out of control where you can't get to the linebackers, um, you know, and that running back. You know, we keep talking to them about being decisive and getting downhill and pressing that block. But once you make your decision, just go. And I think I don't know they were uptight. I didn't I didn't sense any nerves in this last game sure. like I did the first one. Um, I just think that they're just you know our, our guys. They just want to do it the way you want them to do it. And I think you know sometimes, unfortunately, maybe maybe you overemphasize some things and maybe overcoach it. So for us, you know, I think uh, maybe lesson learned. Just uh, let let the guys go out there and go play a little bit, and we'll. we'll We'll adjust it from there. 
a 28-point win for Louisiana. I mean, when the, when the momentum shifted in the second half, seven offensive possessions, I believe, seven touchdowns, uh, your last mm-hmm. seven possessions, and um, forced five turnovers defensively. I mean, it, it didn't just shift. It, it, it pretty much just did a 180 and, uh, and started running in the other direction. Um, the offense was in a rut in the first half, and it felt like you guys were on a raceway in the second half. Uh, when everything is flowing like that, you know, on a personal level, obviously you're the head coach, but but how fun is it, how fun is it as a play caller when the offense is in a rhythm like that where everything just seems to be working well? Yeah, it's a lot more fun than it was the first half. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I kind of I made a joke. I said, "Man, I said it looked like that call shoot in the first half was, was written in Chinese. I mean, it was like nothing on there was any good. <laughs> um, the second half, it was like it was just jumping out at you." So. Um, it's all about rhythm, you know, and I mean, for, for our team, I mean, you could feel it as soon as we scored that first touchdown, it was like, Oh, this is it now. And, um, you know, it was, it, it's fun. I, I think last night was the first time really in a long time. I remember our team kind of sensing that, that moment, you know, whenever we had a chance to say, okay, it's foot on the gas. Now we got a chance to go and go finish this game and go put it away the way we wanted to. And, for the first time in a long time, really, I felt like the team sensed it, felt it, and went out and and, and executed and did it. So that was a that was a fun moment, I think, for all of us, um, for sure. Coach Michael Desimo, our guest, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. On the conditioning side of it, Coach, coming into the matchup, you know, a lot was made about size versus speed and and, and humidity versus the Midwest. Um, what, what, how big of a factor in your mind? Uh, if at all, was the conditioning in the second half for your team versus the opponent on Saturday? Well, I mean, I think it was definitely a factor. Um, you know, I mean, especially you consider, you know, that that game in the first half didn't go at all the way we wanted it to. I mean, obviously, you know, we offensively we, we didn't play well, but we felt like we needed to get off, you know, when I talked about the key to the game, I thought we we're going to be able to stop the run on defense, being able to run the ball effectively on offense. And then for us, being able to start fast, where we kind of made them one to make, well, it was the complete opposite, right? You know, our defense, as well as, as good as they really played, the first drive was not very good, right? They drive all the way down the field and score, and, and they did a good job on that drive. But they started fast. We started slow. They played 50-something plays in the first half on offense. I think we had 26 or 24 in the first half on offense. It was like the exact opposite of the way you wanted it to go. Um. But still, in the end, I do think the conditioning played played a factor in it. You know, I just, you know, we were hoping we could have used it to our advantage sooner and better than what we did. But um, you know, I mean, at the end of the game, you know, that's our our strength and conditioning staff. They do a phenomenal job. You know, we our nutritionist, she's you know before the game, she is on point with you know meals and making sure they're hydrated and doing those things. So I mean, it it, it takes a whole bunch of people to make it work and uh. You know, and of course, like I say all the time, I mean, our guys put in the work. It doesn't matter what plan you draw up on the board, or you know, if you got the best plan in the world, if they go out there and go work their tails off, it'll work. So, um, I, I think that always plays a factor, and I think it's been a huge thing for us the last. I mean, not just this year, but being able to finish games in the second half, it's it's a huge thing for us. Coach Mike Desmar, guest defensively, coach, you finished with four sacks, seven and a half tackles for loss. Um, uh, Marcus Marcus Weiser. I mean, from the inside, a pair of sacks for him. 
Uh, he seemed to be very active. I mean, I know there's there's a lot more to it. When you see a guy get the sack, you're you're looking at it. I know there was other pressure on certainly that first sack he had, but this is a young man, right? When you when you get the sacks and you're on the stat sheet, people, you know, especially fans, they take more notice. And you know, mm-hmm. as a, as a guy that's I think he's about what two ninety maybe out of Corpus Christi. He's got a lot of speed to him, Coach. Um, you know what? What? What has he shown you um, since he's been, you know, with the Cajuns? And uh, what? What does he bring to the table, man? I guess just fill us in a little bit more on this young man who's coming off of a, uh, you know, five tackles, two sacks, very strong performance on Saturday. Well, you know, I mean, Marcus. So it's actually it's kind of cool. Uh, you know, Marcus was the first player that committed. To our new staff in December, whenever we, uh, you know, went through the change, um, and kind of had that. I'm sorry, in January, whenever we had the new staff and everything uh, in January. So um, that that kind of makes it a little bit, you know, makes it makes it kind of cool for us for sure. Um, but you know, Marcus is a guy that we watched him, you know, and, and we watched all of his stuff, you know, whenever he was, you know, coming out of Kilgore, and said, "Man, this guy's like, you know." He's really twitchy. He plays with good leverage. Um, he's got power at the point of attack. Um, you know, he might be a little bit shorter than what you than what you know than what you you think you know an ideal D lineman is. But I mean, at six one, it's not like he's a small, you know, six one and a half, six two, whatever. You know, we got him at. It's not like he's a small guy. You know, I mean, he's got plenty of size. And uh, you know, the thing that you never really know is how guys are going to respond. But since the day Marcus got here. Um, you know, and, and really, you know, since the day he got here, all he's done is really just is just work and win his teammates over every day. You know, he doesn't say a whole lot, you know, kind of quiet by nature, but he shows up every day and he works and he works and he does what he's supposed to do. And um, the guy has just been, has been a phenomenal addition for us, you know, for a D-line group that I feel really strongly about. I've told you guys kind of about that the whole offseason. For him, to me, to come in here and win a job, um, going through the spring into now, you know, it just it's, it speaks to the way that he's worked and the way he's approached it. And um, you know, I, I'm happy for him because he's he's a he's a great kid, man. And like I said, you know, from the day he got here, all he did was show up and work and practice, and you know, and uh, you know, so see him go out there and have some success. You know, I thought he was a really good player because we had to block him every day. But you know, now you get to see him play against other people, it makes you feel a little bit better. So okay, well, yeah, he he is pretty good. It wasn't. Wasn't just us who was giving trouble. Coach Desimo joining us on a glorious Monday. Coach, you said after the game about your two quarterbacks, going briefly back to the offense for a second, you said, and I quote, I've said it from the beginning. I felt like we had two great quarterbacks in camp, and I think people are starting to believe what we've been saying, end quote. When it comes to the, the, the QB conversation, right, I from a fan standpoint, I get it. You, you're not on the inside. You see it. You're like, well, he said he wanted to do two quarterbacks. He wanted a starter. Well, you have a starter. Then after the battles won, you guys referenced 2018. Remember, Nunez and Levi will probably do something like that. And, um, you know, two games into it, how do you feel about the system that you guys have in place with Chandler Fields and Woldrich and do you, do you feel like now you've got it, okay, we, we've got it down to exactly what we want it to be in terms of, of snaps, or is it still maybe a work in progress as you just kind of go through the season week to week? I mean, I feel really good about it. Um, you know, it was 
the first game, Ben got three series, which is typically about the plan. You know, last week he got more just because the game was under control, um, you know, and, and let him kind of keep going with it. But, uh, no, I mean, I, I feel good about the plan and where we're at. And, and like I said from the beginning, um, I wanted I wanted Ben to get an opportunity to play. And as long as he played well, we would continue to do that, give him two or three series. I think, uh, you know, I, I just – I believe adamantly that um, – for our team in the long run, this, this can be the best thing, you know, I mean, it's a long season and, you know, I had a conversation with Chandler about it, you know, and I was like, look, you know, you never want anything to happen. I said, but for our team, I said, there's no doubt that this is the best thing for us. I said, and, you know, and for Ben, I said, he deserves it. And, and of course, you know, Chandler, of course, I mean, he, you know, he's, he's one of the best teammates that there are. I mean, whenever Ben's in there, he's the one warming him up. He's the one that's, you know, talking to him on the sidelines. I mean, it was, you know, he, he completely gets it. He's good with all that. But uh, just the conversation we had, you know, and it's like for our team, I mean, why, why shouldn't the guy play a little bit? You know, um, I, I say that all the time. I mean, we play at every other position. You know, I say it all the time. If we've got guys that deserve to play, play them. You know, they maybe don't play as much as the starters. They deserve to play, let them go. And, you know, Chandler is a starter. That certainly hasn't changed. Um you know, I have no, I have no doubts or anything like that uh, at all. You know, I mean, I'm proud of Ben. I'm happy for the way he's played. He's done a great job, and I think he's earned the right to continue to play in that role that he's in. And um, you know, I think for our team, it's nothing but a good thing, man. They got two guys right there pulling the trigger that they can be confident in. What a, I mean, what a great feeling for for our team and and for you know for our players. Coach Mike Desimo, our guest, this is the great sketch of ESPN Lafayette. Every game, you can learn stuff, you teach things, and sometimes unexpected happens. I say every game, unexpected things happen, right? And it's how you deal with it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in the studio for the first few games. I'm training some guys on the production side, the radio production side of these games. And uh, they got to learn about what happens in a weather delay from the radio standpoint. From a football standpoint, Coach, when you have a, a lightning delay, um, you know, it's 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 a different feel, right? It's it's not pouring rain. You're not out there in a monsoon. You're just kind of hanging in the locker room. To that point, you know, you guys, by your standard, had not played well. And then, of course, in the second half, you played great. But what's it like in there? And um, you know, how do you how do you approach a situation like that when you just you kind of don't have the answers and it's just a waiting game? Well, the first thing is that um, you know having Coach Vitor uh, here has been just. I mean, for me, has been unbelievable. You know, the guy's just been through so many things and, and and seen so much stuff, you know, and that's the first thing he came to me. He said, hey, you just need to prepare yourself. He said, a lot of times I've been in these lightning delays, like right before half. He said, uh, a lot of times they'll just, you know, not really have a halftime after the lightning delay. So, you know, he kind of, he called it before it all happened. And so it kind of allowed me to, to wrap my mind around using that as, as halftime. You know, I, I didn't know how that was going to work. Um, so, that was that was great, you know, to have him, you know, kind of putting that planting that seed early on. But uh, you know, I mean, for us, it, it's just you get in there and we, we're all kind of looking around and, and you know we start talking. I'm like, you know, it's not you know the issues that we have right here. You know, we go through the issues that we had defensively. You know, it was all very fixable, like it was clear and cut and concise. And offensively, it was like, you know, I mean, look. We're not on the same page right now. You know, the play design, we're like, is play design good or bad? It's like, well, no, no. You know, we had one really, really bad play call. 
Um, I thought they were in a different personnel, you know, which is, you know, I don't want to get into all the details of it, but they were supposed to be. I was told, you know, I thought they were in a different personnel. They weren't all that stuff. But other than that, it's like, no, the play design's been fine. You know, we're just this, that, or the other. So um, the thing that was so much fun as a coach, though, is you look at in the locker room. So we come out of there, we get in the locker room. All the players are sitting in their spots where they're supposed to be waiting for us to start talking about what we're going to do in the second half. There was no complaining. There was no – it was just a, a calm and just a focus, like, you know, okay, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to fix it? And uh, it was awesome, you know, because all we started talking about was the, the, the fundamentals and we talked about the combinations, how we're going to do it, talked to the quarterback about the reads and progressions and making sure that we're starting in the right spot and told him what we're going to come to in the second half, some plays that we were going to run for sure that we knew we really liked. and. You know, they just sat there and they listened and we talked and we split up in position groups and, you know, talked about, hey, I don't know if it gets a whole lot worse than what that was and it's only 7 nothing. So we're very fortunate to be in that position. And, uh, you know, it's just the belief that this team has in each other is just, it's, it's, it's unheard. I mean, it's unbelievable. You know, just, they just kind of business as usual. Like, all right, what we need to do to go out here and go win. And, uh, and that, that's, that makes you really, really happy as a coach to see your team just kind of have that much poise. Last thing for you, Coach, and we appreciate you taking the time as always. The Sun Belt Conference, I mean, it was, I thought, even b- before your game, I felt like it was the biggest day in the history of the conference. When you go on the road and you get two wins against top ten teams at the time, uh, and then Georgia Southern goes out and they beat Nebraska, and I know the Huskers aren't what they used to be, but that's still a win on the road against the P5, a notable program. Um, and, you know, you guys victorious against the MAC, And I, I remember... You know, when you guys played in Ypsilanti 17 years ago and when Eastern Michigan came back to Cajun Field and where the Sun Belt was then when compared to the MAC and where it is now, Coach, uh, it's, it's, it's the best G5, in my opinion. Um, and for yeah. a day like that, I know you, you're – look, it's game day for you. You're focused on one thing and one thing only. But whenever you come to it and the game's over and you're, you're finally back home late at night or maybe the next day, at what point – were you able to kind of just think about the day that the Sun Belt had? And, and do you ever think about just, just where it is, you know, from, from when you played to where it is now and how realignment has really impacted the Sun Belt in so many good ways? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I do think about it quite a bit, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I played in the Sun Belt at a time whenever people were trying to get out of it. Um, you know, you had teams that were basically they were taking the, the first ticket out of there and they were going, you know, wherever they could to get out. And uh, and now to be where, it's, you know, people desire to be in there and it's a destination spot. And I think um, I think the conference, you know, you, you can't talk about it without, you know, really without complimenting our administration and Keith Gill and those guys for what they've done. I mean, they came in with a plan and said, look, you know, we're not going to go after these major TV markets and all this stuff. We're going to go after schools that have tradition. We're going to go after schools that are FCS that have prominence on the FCS level that have a tradition of winning, that have a fan base that care about winning. Um, and we're going to bring those guys in. And, um, I mean, wow, has it worked or, or, or what? You know, um, the day that we had on Saturday, you know, you go out there and, I mean, look, I'm going to be honest with you. We, you know, we follow, we follow the conference without a doubt. I mean, I, you know, Shoot, I was just surprised that Georgia State didn't pull it off, to be honest with you. Yeah. 
Um, you know, it just we follow it, and, and I have so much respect for the coaches in this conference and the players. I mean, you got you got great players. You got coaches that that can coach ball. You know, from you know east to west, north to whatever you want to do. A whole conference of guys that can coach, that can play. Um, you know, and then you go out there and you couple that with uh, you know with a lot of motivation for our players. Um, you know, I mean they all the way across the conference, you know, there, there's just, there's a lot of motivation for us to go out there and go and go play well, you know, um, and, you know, just to see how far it's come. It, it's, it's a fun thing. Um, but I certainly don't think that this is the end of it. Um, I, I think that, you know, our conference is only going to continue to get better. You know, I think the teams that we've added this year, um, bring a lot to the table. Obviously, you know, Marshall was one of the teams that won yesterday, but you know, those other schools too, you know I mean? With Southern Miss and, and James Madison, Old Dominion, I mean, Old Dominion knocked off Virginia Tech in week one. You know I mean? It's like you add some teams in there that, that bring a lot of value to the conference and, uh, you know, certainly uh, certainly makes winning a conference championship a lot harder. But, I mean, I think that's in the end that's what you want. You know, um, the strength of the conference really is what kind of makes it, you know, it's kind of what, what makes it in the long run. So, for us, it's been nothing but a good thing. Um, and it's been, been fun to be a part of it. No doubt. I mean, Carl Benson – you know, in the initial realignment uh, scrum back in, I guess, 2010, 2011, he kind of went left when everyone went right, and Keith Gill took over, and um, really with the, the recent changes in conference realignment, really took advantage of it, and adding good football schools, man, it, it pays in a big way, and, um, and and that was clearly evident on Saturday. It's clearly evident as a whole when you look at the conference, when you look at Louisiana riding the longest win streak in the country, it's... Um, <laughs> As you said, Coach, you played at a time when people were looking to get out. Now you got teams in the group of five that are saying, we want to get in. We don't want to be in Coosa. Uh, and, you know, it's just – but like you said, you never want to be stagnant. You never want to be satisfied. You just keep keep trying to get better and better. But uh, it's, in, it's in a great place right now, and obviously that's good for the University of Louisiana. Coach Mike Desimo has been our guest, as he is every Monday during football season. Louisiana victorious 49 49- 221 against Eastern Michigan. You can hear Coach Des again tonight as part of Louisiana Athletics Live over at Pete's Family Sports Grill with Jay Walker. Go join him from 6 to 7. If you can't make it out there, you can hear it right here on ESPN Lafayette. Louisiana taking on Rice this Saturday, first road game, 6.30. Um, Coach, I, I, I appreciate you taking the time. If you would, while you leave, I know it's early in the week, but uh, give us your, your initial thoughts on the Rice Owls, and then we'll let you run. Um, yeah, I mean, so they're, they're going to be the, you know, they're, they're the best team that we're going to have played so far for sure. Um, you know, you, you kind of watch them and, you know, they're, they do more on offense and defense. They're more multiple than the other teams that we've played. Um, you know, they look to be really disciplined on tape. They've got a, they've got a plan, you know, for what they're going to do. You know, they do a lot of stuff, a lot of variables, um, and really they they got a good looking team. You know, obviously I've watched more of their defense and their offense, but, you know, defensively, they got good length. They run well in the back end. Um, you know, up front, they've got some all-conference players returning up front. Um, and, and, you know, you can tell these guys are well-coached. And, you know, you can see the progress from two years ago to last year, whereas their second year, to when you turn the tape on this year, you know, uh, there's a lot of improvement there. And you can see this team, is, is they're trending in the right direction for them. Um, you know, obviously the loss to USC, that, that was, you know, that's one thing. Um, you know, that, that's a tough deal to go out there and go play those guys. But, uh, 
you know, the, the win over McNeese is pretty impressive, um, you know, for a program that I respect, you know, obviously McNeese's tradition and, um, you know, I mean, we, we've seen them play firsthand. So, you know, for them to win a game like that against a team that I think has a lot of tradition, kids that know how to win, that was, uh, that's something that, you know, means they're doing something right. So we're going to have to, we're going to have to do a great job this week. You know, our preparation's got to be really good. We're going to have to have a, a, a great plan um, and, and really, you know, have, have this thing ironed out in detail for our players so they know exactly what to do. And, you know, sometimes whenever the other team provides a lot of variables, sometimes you have to, you know, kind of limit the variables you do on your end so that there's not too much and it's not like a system overload type of thing. Coach, appreciate the time. All the best. We'll talk to you next Monday and looking forward to hearing you tonight and seeing you guys out on the field in Houston this Saturday. Yes, sir. Thank you, Scott. You got it. That is Coach Mike Desimo, Louisiana's Raging Cajuns. Big day for the Sun Belts, right? Georgia Southern winning at Nebraska. Obviously, App State punking Texas A&M. Marshall going into Notre Dame, getting a nice big fat check and beating the Irish. By the way, Louisiana played all those teams last year. They beat App State in the conference championship game, 24-16. to They beat them in the regular season, 41-13. to They beat Georgia Southern, 28-20. to They beat Marshall in the NOLA Bowl, 36-21. So even though the Cajuns aren't getting the national headlines in the Sun Belt the same way the teams that obviously naturally got over the weekend for their huge wins, they're still the king of the belt right now until someone knocks them off that throne. They're on the top. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. <sighs> it's a glorious Monday, isn't it? Where was the pain, Jameis? Yeah, just pain. It was pain everywhere. So we got to keep on pushing pushing through and being resilient. Where was the pain, Jameis? Uh, pain. Just pain. That, that's, 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 that must be what it, how Falcons fans just describe their life in perpetuity. Honestly. What's it like to be a Falcons fan, huh? Yeah, just pain. It was pain everywhere. Yeah, I bet. Don't go anywhere. It's a glorious Monday. We're back with open phone lines, 337-269-1077, right after this. Glorious. No, I won't give in. I won't give in till I'm victorious. And I will defend. I will defend. Are you ready for week two of Thursday Night Football? Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook the official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. See, it's simple. Bet on LA or Kansas City to win. If your team leads by seven at any point during the game, you get paid instantly even if your team loses. I'm Scott Prather, and I'm telling you to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 1420 to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1420 only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Moneyline bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner, Golden Nugget, Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a glorious Monday. 
ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. It was, um, I, I, still, still processing the weekend of football. It was just wild on so many levels. So many levels. Jameis Winston, not great for almost three quarters. And in the fourth quarter, 16 and 19, a perfect passer rating, two touchdowns, was just fantastic. The throw that he made to Jarvis Landry, the one that they afterwards got followed up by an intentional grounding because they thought the clock was still running, which was, come on, everybody needs to be a little more heads up there. I saw Saints fans claiming that that was on the refs. On the refs, the clock stopped. Dennis Allen, P. Carmichael, Jameis, somebody's got to realize, hey, the clock stopped. He got out. But you know what? There's, It's easy for us to sit here and watch it and see the clock stopped on TV. It's frantic. Everyone's running around. They're running back to the line. Defense is doing the same thing. It makes sense. But in the end, it costs them being able to kick a field goal with you know, time expiring as opposed to giving Atlanta, you know, the ball back with 19 seconds and three timeouts that, again, there were so many moments. The first couple of quarters with the Saints just getting handled in the trenches, the intentional grounding, the missed two-point conversion with that call, the direct snap to Mark Ingram, Marcus May dropping a pick that was just in his right on the number six. The holding call by Lattimore on third down, which was that that's the one I'll say, okay, that was that was a that was kind of a weak call. All the other stuff though, that's on the Saints. The pass I mean the personal foul on Lattimore, it was on him. What are you doing? Somebody probably hit him first. So and when they you got, you know, Atlanta's kicker who's the best player on their pathetic team, and you're like, sixty three yards, like how did you get in this situation? But then Peyton Turner coming up big. With the block and they win it. Still processing that game. Still processing it. ESPN Lafayette. Phone lines are open. 337-269-1077. Let's head to the phone lines now. Hello. Hey, Scott. Hey, what's up? Hey, good morning. Um, As bad as that first spike was, I think the second spike was even worse. Like... There was no reason they had like twenty something seconds left. You yeah, know, yeah. I guess they because had no it was, reason to run up the spike. I, I guess I, you're maybe. Like I, I first of all, I, it's not worse than the it, first one. I mean, the first one cost them ten seconds well, like, and ten yards. You make them burn a timeout. You know, right, right. But like they, they had no timeouts left, and twenty something seconds. If you run a play and you get a first down, then you can spike it. But what if you don't get the first? What if you're tackled in bounce? Now you are rushing out there to attempt a 48-yard field goal. I mean, well, you know, there's under 20 well, seconds by the time they spiked it. It's they it, it probably could have it probably could have worked. But let's say let's say that they 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 run a play and they're tackled ahead of the first down marker. How long do you think that play is going to take maximum? Well, like don't even run a play. Just Sit around oh, and wait. Oh, I see. And then yeah, okay. That makes sense. Like it that when there's sense. like three three or four seconds left. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I'm wrong. You're right. Stupid me. You're right. Hang on. Like, you know. Hang on. So the game awareness, to your point, the game awareness on the two spikes needs to be much, much better. But that's the thing. You know, it was the Falcons. The Falcons just, I, just, I still don't know how they lost that game. It's just hilarious. Yeah, they don't know how they lost that game. Let me tell you, like, I think there's something to playing in the preseason. I think, like, their plan were almost worked. It should have worked. Like, th- th- 
those guys are playing ones in the preseason, deep in the games in the preseason. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, I was surprised how, you know, how much they kept the starters in, in preseason games. I think, and, like, I, I think it it's, I think it's that, that. I think you're right, David. And I also think the combination of just, you know, training camps used to be kind of brutal, extremely physical. You're in pads every time out. It's not that anymore either. And so I, I think I think it's the combination of all that stuff and the large gap between just being, you know, I mean, the last preseason game is now two weeks, more than two weeks away from, from an opener. Yeah. So all of and that, like, I James think. James Winston yeah. didn't practice. Michael Thomas didn't practice. You know, <laughs> a lot of those guys, have been, they've been holding out. And, like, yeah. as a contender, that's things you should do. Like, preseason is nothing, right? But to the Falcons, like, they have a new quarterback, uh, new players, you know, Drake London. They have to get everyone acclimated to the system. And, you know, that I think the guy just wanted to get as much reps as he could, and we were just holding our players back. I mean, and it makes sense, too. It's kind of the way it should be, you know? Yeah, I think like, every year we're going to have weird week ones. Um, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And we're not going to be able to figure out what's what until you're, you know, six, seven weeks into the season. Not to say you can't make, you know, I, I think I think you can. I think there are obvious takeaways from these games, but you, I don't. I, I mean, the, the the Titans were what they were the one seed in the AFC last year. They lost by twenty five week one last year at home. Uh, they lost yesterday to the Giants at home. I don't know if they're going to be good or bad. Um, you know, uh, the, the the Colts. You know, they got beat by double digits at home to the Seahawks. Seahawks weren't a good team last year. I mean, we can go back and look at. Different games from I mean the Saints they I mean they they beat the Packers thirty eight to three I mean I was way off on what I thought was going to happen in that one I don't I don't I don't forget how off I was on that but then the Packers you know they won thirteen games that season and you couldn't have foreseen what was ha- what was coming for the Saints and everything surrounding it so it's just it is a um, it's it's the week we're probably going to overreact to the most but it's the one that I think you got to have the the least amount of I, I guess lead pipe lock takeaways, right, in terms of, like, what a team is or isn't. Although I, although, although oh, yeah. I already thought the Cowboys were going to stink this year. So, you know, last night. Oh, man, it's going to be even worse, too. It, it's going to be even bad. It, it's worse than, you know, what everyone was thinking because Dak Prescott's about to be out and it's gonna be Cooper, with Cooper Rush or whatever. Cooper or, Rush. Cooper Rush. Yeah, yeah. It's the Cooper Rush era. It's the Cooper um, Rush era. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> So I like, feel bad for Dak. That sucks, but yeah, it's not like a it's not like a chronic serious. I mean, he'll be out like you know six to eight weeks. I mean, it's it's not like a an injury. You're thinking like, oh my god, this is this this could possibly plague him for the rest of his career. Okay, and one more thing, I, I pull for every player that plays for Saints. You know, I'm a Saints fan first, but I think like Jameis Winston, I'm rooting for that guy more than I have anyone else in a long time. Like, I just want him to succeed and throw it in everyone's face. Like, there's so many people that are Saints fans that want that guy to fail or just expecting it, you know? They're, they're just – it's not that they're pulling for it or rooting for it, but it's like every time he does that, oh, I knew we shouldn't got – we should not uh, sign him. He shouldn't be our quarterback. We should have got rid of him, blah, blah, blah. I just want him to succeed so bad. I don't know, man. It's, you want him to prove the doubters within the Yeah, I want base. and throw it in their face. Well, Jameis isn't going to do that. He'll just 
put a W in their face, you know, maybe eat it. Yeah. I so, I don't know, man. He's goofy, but that's part of, like, his character. You know, I don't know. I still I still laugh at him. Like I'm not gonna act like I don't laugh at him sometimes. Not, oh, yeah. not I mean, his like, play, but just he's all his his it I, it's hard to really it's not it's not one precise thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just yeah. the total package. Uh yeah. but he's but he's you know, he's a charming dude, man. And um and he was yeah. great in the the throw he made to Landry. The oh, the throw he made to Landry prior to the intentional grounding. If that ball's anywhere else, it's incomplete or intercepted. I mean that, and, that was and a that's great a play 50, by too. You know, it's not a fifty-five yard game, but from where Jameis threw it, when you when you take into account, you know, the ball placement, that's about fifty-five yards on that thing. It was I it was his best pass of the day, and it was the big you know, arguably the biggest play of the game. I mean, it was certainly one that, of that them. Was- it, for Jarvis Landry to make a, a play like that, you know, he's an older guy. Uh, it's just amazing. Like, Seven catches for that's nothing we saw yards. last year. Seven catches. Oh yeah, I mean, listen, twenty six to ten in the fourth quarter, even against a team like Atlanta, who's just notorious for blowing fourth what, quarter leads. If you if if you don't have Landry Thomas and, and Alave, you're not coming back from twenty six ten in the fourth quarter. And what's funny is, tell me, tell me that game yesterday did not feel like. I don't know, the Titans we played last year. Like, there there was a lot of games last year that we were down a lot, and Will Lutz misses a field goal, right, just like last year. But this year we were able to come, you know, to win that game. Shout out Will Lutz, too, then, because he, he, you know, he was missing kicks in, in warm-ups. He missed the first field oh, goal. I mean, to go out there, you know, and nail that 51-yarder uh, when he needed it, I mean, that's that's what you pay him for. Yeah, I was so mad at that guy. Through, through like three quarters, <laughs> like man, we're in this position again, dude. You know, we we go through a year without a kicker. We finally have you back, and you miss one to like, you know, it, it, I could just tell it was going to come back to bite us. You know, it but didn't. Somehow it didn't. It didn't. Thank you, Atlanta. Yep. All right, Scott. Appreciate it, man. You <laughs> got it. We'll take a quick timeout. Lines are lit up. We'll get to all your phone calls. It's the Great Scott Show on a glorious, glorious. Monday. We're right back after this short timeout. The best games, the best fans, the best on the bayou. The best, the best. The best ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Great Scott! The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. From the left hash, Falcons trailing by one. Who, from 63 yards out, it was blocked. And the Saints win the season opener in dramatic, come-from-behind fashion. Trailed by 16 points in the fourth quarter. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a glorious Monday. Oh, man. Saints beat the Falcons in a wild one. A crazy early window yesterday in the NFL games. A wild weekend in college football. The Sun Belt is having a moment right now, deservedly so. And we're talking all about it with you. Phone lines have been active 
this morning, 337-269-1077. Let's not slow down now. Let's head back to the phone lines to open up the 8 o'clock hour. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Uh, Am I up? Yeah, Kyle. What's going on? Man, it's about time. Okay. Look, I I heard Jay earlier. Let let me just say this, okay? I, I know good and well that you were chasing Little Miss Prather around the campfire yesterday afternoon for some afternoon delight. Don't tell me you wasn't, you know, because I don't want you to have to sit up on the air and, and tell tales and get in trouble. Stop, huh? stop, 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 stop. No, 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 no. Get, I back, know, get back I know. to the game. I watched the you game on a delay. I, I, I coached my daughter's soccer game. I was watching the game on a delay while the okay, wife then well, took then that then same then child then. to oh. a birthday party in the afternoon. So, yeah, bro, I, I don't, don't, let's, let's, come on, stop. Oh, come on now. Okay. You can talk about your you, private life publicly if you want. You leave me out of this, Kyle. How about the game? How about that Saints game yesterday, Kyle? How about that Saints game yesterday? Okay. Look, uh, uh, first of all, to say that that, that, that that was a stupid play by them downing the football, the officials didn't make a call. You didn't know if they were running the clock or not running the clock. That was that was a horribly officiated football game. They had one time where they spotted the football. Alvin Kamara got tackled at the 43, and they pushed him back to the 48, and they spotted the ball at the 48. They don't ever do that. I, I, that, 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 that officiating crew was wretched. All right, they need they need some definite work on that crew. But of course, they won't do anything about it, so it doesn't matter. But that's not the reason why the Saints got their butts kicked. They got their butts kicked because the Falcons are a, gonna be better than everybody thinks they are. That's number one. Number two, they came out of the, they came out of the gate with a chip on their shoulder, and they came out of the gate blitzing right out of the locker room. And until they quit blitzing, that's right. They were kicking out of behind. I mean, I that, I, I huh? said that. Now, see that we're we're in agreement on. I mean, I just. I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't, I couldn't for the life it. of me as I was watching it. I was like, "Why? Why did they stop blitzing?" And they took the air out of the ball. Why did they the stop blitzing when the Saints go four plays, eighty-one yards, and a touchdown, or ninety-one, whatever it was? And now it's a one-possession game. Okay, maybe we should get back to being a little more aggressive on defense. I think they blitz oh. one more time the rest of the the game. And now I don't. I don't think Atlanta is going to be better than than people expect. I think I, this is what I think about the Falcons. Yeah, they are. They, they are. were tw- oh, they were up twenty three to ten yesterday, with a chance a, a to go up thirty to ten, with a chance to go up thirty to ten, and in that moment when they had it first and goal up twenty three to ten, I I right. bet you that that is the best. They're going to feel all season their fan base. I think everything after that play is just going to. It's just going to, as you know. I mean, shoot, as Jameis Winston said yesterday. I think the vast majority of this season for the Atlanta Falcons is just going to no. be pain. Yeah, just pain. It was pain no. everywhere. No, Scott. Uh, I'm telling you now that defensive coordinator. That defensive coordinator. The coordinator who stopped calling it. blitzes. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Oof, yeah. That, sharp, hey, look. Sharp look, tool. Look, that one. You got a head coach. Hey, you got a head coach, too. I'm going to tell you now, that team reminds me of the Saints back in the 70s that Dick Nolan had. 
Yeah. They, they, no, they, didn't, they didn't have any winning records that decade either. They, so. they won eight. They won eight games. Did they, they ever eight, have a winning? Did, the did they ever time. have a winning record? It's the only time they went eight and eight. It was the first time they ever they went, went eight, eight and eight, eight once in the seventies. That's this Falcons team that's going to be good. That's what. If the Falcons, to. if the Falcons win seven or eight games, that's going to be better than what you think they're going to be. Yeah. I didn't say they were going to be world You beaters. said they're I'm going to be. Okay, all right. So you're, you're not saying they're going to be good. You're just saying they're going to be slightly below average. That's, that's, and that, I'm, I'm, I'm saying they're going to be, I'm saying they're going to be probably, well, they're going to be the third best team in the NFC South, which right now, if you look at the NFC West, they suck. Okay, you was, look at the NFC one, North. Kyle. It's week one. Huh? It's, it's week one. It's week it doesn't one. matter. It does matter. You're going to say that the entire NFC West what, sucks. Guess what Kyle Shanahan's record is with anybody not named Jimmy Garoppolo quarterbacking. Eight a, and 39. As, as a head Eight coach? Eight and 39. Think about that. Kyle Shanahan has done absolutely nothing with anybody not named Jimmy Garoppolo as his quarterback, and he's made sure he don't want Jimmy Garoppolo as his quarterback. So you got a situation all over the place. The Packers suck. They're not good. The, the, the Cowboys suck. I mean, I told you. Know, you know, Belichick's well under 500 without Tom Brady. I'm just, you know. Yeah, well, they suck too. I mean, the, 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 the fact Dolphins, that he's got a good record the, with Jimmy Garoppolo actually is is a compliment. I think. Let's not act like Jimmy G is uh, is Tom Brady here. Hey, I'm just telling you that's the facts. Okay, so you, you take take away with it what you want. <laughs> I will. But when you're eight and thirty nine without one guy and you're in the Super Bowl with him, I don't know if I'd, I'd have been so quick to try to get rid of him and make him the problem because he's obviously not the problem. But anyway, hey. It is not going to be what everybody thinks it's going to be this year. Yeah, are they right about Buffalo? Looks that way. Um, it looks like I might be wrong about Tampa Bay. I guess Giselle leaving Tom made him a hell of a lot meaner. So I guess we'll get another squeeze another year out of that old man. Um, but we'll see what happens next week when they, when they when the Saints are now the Saints will be ready to play ball. Come next Sunday, I can tell you the Saints will be ready to play when they come up against the Buccaneers, and we'll get to see what the Saints really are. But I like I like I like being able to go steal a game that oh, I don't deserve. Especially to win from the Falcons, Atlanta. man. Oh, That's by the just, way, this real quick, real quick, one more thing. Not only do we have a team to celebrate now, now we can celebrate the 26th of October, 10-26. That's the biggest come-from-behind victory the Saints have ever had, by the way, yesterday afternoon. 16.4th fourth quarter. Well, in the fourth quarter, yeah. That's it. They've never been down 16 in the fourth quarter and won until now. It's the Falcons. It's the Falcons. Thank you, Kyle. All right, let's head to the phone lines. Good morning. Welcome into the show. Hello. Scott. Mr. Topham, how are you? I'm good, man. I, I got I got a couple quick takes for you on the Saints game. If you got it, first of them is I am so tired of people saying the preseason doesn't matter. I, in multiple games yesterday, you saw the guys that didn't play in the preseason. A lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them. The timing looked off. Jameis looked the worst throwing to Michael Thomas early on, and then if you saw the blocking, like the free runners, I'd replay it back. The Saints had a guy for all those free runners. Except they were just a split second late because yeah. they were double team. And game speed. There is no substitution for game speed. I watched Joe Burrow overthrow people. You know, timing was off, and then he picked it up late. Why? 
game speed. So I'm so sick of the narrative that preseason doesn't matter. Go ask the Rams. I mean, at the end of the season, maybe, but early on, it matters. That and the other thing that blew me away, rush lane integrity. How many times did the four-man rush just forget where they're supposed to be, where their landmarks are? I'll give you the easiest one there is. When you're the outside rusher and you know there's nobody going outside of you, you can't go inside until the quarterback has stepped up in the pocket. Twice Davenport made an inside move, and then Mariota just took off around him. Or the inside guys went wide, and the middle of the field was just wide open. And, I th- again, that to me is, you know, full speed. They're missing by – they're just missing that guy. And I, I think the pre- not having preseason football for some of those guys, I think it just really hurt them. Yeah, it, 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 I, listen, I'm not going to tell you it doesn't matter. I'm just going to always tell you that I hate it. Because I don't like seeing oh, people get hurt, and I, I don't sure. like watching it. But I think it's I think it's that, and I I think it's also a combination of like now you've got a bigger gap between your last preseason game and your regular season game, uh, and starters did play in that one for a little bit, and you just you've only got I don't know the exact number, but you have a limit in terms of how many padded practices you can have. And you can say what you yeah, want. When you don't have a padded practice, you're not going full speed. I mean, you're not going full speed in a padded practice, period, in 2022. I mean, shoot, man, back in the day, every – I mean, they had two-a-days, and they're in pads. You know, like, it was so different. So, you know, by the time you get to game day, you know, the tackling's a little more crisp. It's more physical. Your body's kind of got calluses. You're used to it. I mean, week one yeah. is always going to be a weird week. Um, it's going to be weird in college football. It's going to be weird in the NFL just based on the setup now. And, uh, and I think, you know, but, man, that early window yesterday, I mean, granted, I was watching the Saints on a delay, but when it ended, I got to watch a few other things on delay, and it was wild. It was fun. Now, the late window, you know, Chargers-Raiders was, was cool. Giants-Titans was cool. But as far as the national games of the week, you know, you got three stinkers between the two afternoon games and the night game. But – most of the schedule yesterday was a blast, and most of it was had some weird stuff, some some crazy stuff, and I think it some of it can be you know drawn back to what you said, you know the 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 lack of of reps, padded practices, less preseason, all of that. It's just uh, it makes for a weird week one. But even in like twenty, what was this? I mean, the Saints won what thirteen games in twenty eighteen. I mean, they lost week one. Yeah. And then in week two, they, they should have lost to the Browns, but the Browns kicker missed three extra points and a field goal. Sure. I mean, it, it, they, they weren't – they didn't really hit their stride until much later in the season. In 2019, week one, you know, they kind of – you know, I mean, they, they stole that one from the Texans with Will Lutz's 58-yarder. Um, uh, in 2020, a, a Monday night game against the Chargers. They – like, even though the Saints – set a franchise record yesterday in terms of season opening victories they've never done it four years in a row they've you know 2020 and 2021 okay they were good week one but you can look at a lot of seasons where they stole some games early in the season and then hit their stride later i'm hoping that's what we say this year because they they stole that game yesterday but um there was no better team to steal it from that was just hilarious no and, look, I'd argue last year the reason they were so good was Jameis Winston's first year as a starter. So there's a lot bigger emphasis on Jameis getting as many reps. I mean, and, trying to fight with Jason right. Hill. Right. And consider, you know? Brad, that, that, you know, they were with – the team was 
because of that hurricane, they were away from home. They were just with each other True, for I forgot like about five that. straight True. weeks. You know what I mean? Like they were, yeah. they had so many more reps and so much more communication amongst one another. And then they finally got to go home. And then, you know, they ended up playing Carolina and a bunch of guys were out with COVID, but they finally were home after so many weeks and then they played bad, right? It, so you can, you can make sense of kind of the, the start last year. Um, and then in 2020, it made sense because nobody had any preseason and the Saints had a lot of continuity. So if you really look right. at, at, at each year over the last, if you just want to go back to 2017 when the Saints started having some success again, uh, you know, they've won the second most games in the NFL. And I'm sorry, I lost you there, Brad. But every, every start to the season makes sense when you look at how it was in training camp and, and the preseason as well. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think, I think your, your point about the preseason makes a lot of sense. And, and last thing, how nice is it? To where maybe everybody realizes when were you great? When you had a third receiver that wasn't somebody that was off the trash heap that was legitimate, like a Lance Moore. Yesterday, your third receiver was a dude in Olave. So all of a sudden, when Michael Thomas isn't hitting right or they're covering Jarvis Landry, wow, all of a sudden you have that. And honestly, you did all that comeback yesterday, and your tight ends had very little involvement catching the football. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're tight. Although I was surprised, Jawan Johnson. If you, if you, yes. if you look at um, snap count, so your O lineman and your quarterback had the most on offense. Next on that list was Jawan Johnson. He had 45 snaps yesterday. I was like, whoa! I, I did Probably not expect him to be on the field that much. Yeah, but no, um, I was thinking when you started looking at the offensive line injuries. I thought that Jawan Johnson was a luxury. Yeah. I thought, okay, maybe I'm missing something, but dang, him and um, him and Jameis got chemistry, when, huh? When, when Nick Vanette was a scratch and he's he's yeah. on the team mainly, you know, for blocking, I was like, I'm I'm surprised. They can't afford any injuries on the O-line today, um, and luckily they didn't have any, but that's, that's still the biggest concern for me coming out of week one. That's it. And real quick before I go, how about the, the character of Michael Desimo's team, huh? You think he's the right guy for the job? I, I I saw someone on Twitter in the first half say, I'm going to say it, there needs to be a coaching change. I'm like, good Lord. <laughs> they that's they talk about being caught in the moment. In the second half, they're like, okay, yeah, I, I, I probably, you know, yeah, it was too early for me to say that. Like, uh, you think? Jeez. Well, at least they admitted it. <laughs> yeah, 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 okay, exactly, exactly. No, man, that was um, – I've never seen such polar opposite halves, but – it was uh, it was great, man. Yeah, yeah. Talk about resiliency, it. no doubt. Appreciate the call, Brad. All right, brother. Have a good day. Let's Bye. keep it with the phone lines. Great Scott Show, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. Good morning, welcome in. What up, Scott? What's happening? Hey, man. Um, I'm just Brad. Kind of stole my thunder there at the end. Um, I did watch the Saints game, but I wanted to touch on the Cajuns. Um, just uh, unbelievable. We we stuck it out through the uh, lightning delay. Well done. And. Um, and uh, you know, the, uh, it took a lot of popcorn and um, and the uh, freeze pops, or the the, the the little slushies that they were selling, and then trips down the down the hill. But we stuck it out, and uh, man, it was worth it. They, um, you know, that's the second half. Just the, one thing I noticed, Scott, that I think has rolled from 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 Coach Napier. This team takes care of the football. I mean, they just they they just. And I know it's small sample size, two games, but they they don't let, they, they don't give it up. And when you don't give up the football and your defense plays the way they play, and you're in every freaking game. You're right. 
you're right. They're they're currently second in the country in turnover ratio. You're right. It's small sample size, but you know it, it, it's not because you mentioned it. This was something they did last year. You know they they um, they're they're plus seven right now. Um, I think USC maybe is plus nine. Uh, and, and, and this is on average. Nevada might be plus nine, but Nevada's played an, an, another game, one extra game. Um, for the Cajuns, I mean, seven turnovers forced. They haven't lost a single one. You're averaging plus three and a half a game in that department. You're going to win your games. And protecting the football is huge. And then in or at the least be half, in every game. Five. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I think you'll be in every game if you're – you know, uh, a team that's not good. I mean, I think the Cajuns are, they're good. And, um, you know, obviously when you're playing a, a better opponent, it's, it's, it can be the difference, but uh, to be second in the country in that in turnover margin through two weeks is a good thing. It's, it's continued to trend in the right direction from a year ago. That's a great point by you. Yeah. Well, you know, and there was a pass, man, it was from Wooldridge to, there was one play that stuck out to me to Stevens down, I don't know if if it was it was down near the near the, the Eastern Michigan. And there was one pass that, that stuck out to me. This game was Wildrich. He left it up there a little too long. And I don't know if you remember what play I'm talking about. It was late in the game. It was the third or fourth quarter. And if if he you know puts some drive behind it and leads him, that's a touchdown. And we ended up scoring anyway on that drive. But um, I say all that to say I, I thought both quarterbacks played well. Um, in the in the old line, you know they 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 struggled in the first half, and they were really good in the second half. I mean that's that's such a big part of it. You know it was it was the thing I think a lot of us had questions about, and you know and I I think still have questions about. But the second half, um, and I asked coach, you know I don't know if you heard all the interview last hour, but I'll, I'll put it up on the website later. You know about the conditioning of the team, and he said absolutely, you you could see it in the second half. It was evident. I mean it's a what what the what the athletic department has done in the last five years in terms of body conditioning, BMI, all that stuff, it makes such a big difference on game day. And going into the matchup, if you wanted to simplify it, it was a lot of size versus strength. I mean, Eastern Michigan was you know big bodies, big guys. Um, they had a little more size. They weren't as fast. But really a big part of what it came down to is just the better conditioned team because you got to the second half and when the Cajuns started clicking – it was like they were they were running laps around Eastern Michigan in the second half from a conditioning standpoint. Yeah, and that's pretty typical when we play those MAC teams. And I think the Big Ten's kind of closed the gap, at least Ohio State maybe. But those MAC schools, for some reason, they just have not gotten the memo that you know, speed kills. And, well, um, they play in the MAC. They're like, man, it gets cold up here. We just need to get some big fat guys up front and try to run <laughs> the ball and throw it when we need to. But uh, it's. <laughs> That's 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 how they recruit. Heck, even in the Big Ten, I mean, Wisconsin disappointing loss for them. They lost to Washington State, but you know, Wisconsin's never going to be the kind of school that's going and recruiting straight speed. You know, they're like, no, we just need some, we need some hogs up front, and we need to run the rock and uh, play to to this weather. Uh, and that's yeah. And uh, that's, I, they're, I think they're, they're Ohio... not they're, there's Ohio State and there's Michigan and then there's kind of the rest of the teams in the Midwest. You know. Well, I think only Ohio State did it because Urban Meyer came from Florida and said, hey, this is what you got to do to win, and then Ryan Day just kind of taking the torch. But I'll leave you with this. I texted somebody yesterday between the Saints and the Cajuns. I got two teams that I've been, you know, that I pull for that um, really have um, developing areas on the offensive line, and uh, it's, it's frustrating to watch back-to-back days. But both teams pulled it out, so uh, 
you know, it's much better to, to clean up those things in a, in a win than a loss. Thanks, uh, thanks, Scott. You got it, man. Appreciate the call. Listen, I said it before the season, and, and we haven't really talked much about LSU. I mean, they, they clobbered Southern, but with all three of those teams, they all had, you know, a new head coach. In, in the case of UL and the Saints, it was continuity. I mean, some familiarity, but new new head coach, right? Um, but in terms of all three teams, you had new head coach, and the, the question mark for me, or the biggest question mark for me on all three, was the O-line. And and it's, we're early in the season. It's still the, the, the top question mark for me with all three, but we're early in the season. And you saw some improvement in the second half for the Saints. You also saw Atlanta stop blitzing. And you saw, obviously, you know, a good bit of improvement. Um, in the second half of the Cajuns. And, and, and Coach Desimo spoke specifically about that in our one-on-one chat this morning, which if you missed, we'll have it up for you on the website a little bit later on this morning after I, I wrap up the show. But resiliency, man. That's what, I mean, resiliency. That's what stood out in both of the wins over the weekend for those two teams. There were, again, there were so many moments in that Saints game. The first three quarters, the fact that they couldn't do anything offensively. The fact that, you know, the intentional grounding call, the the the, the holding on Lattimore on the third down. I mean, Atlanta had it third and one, and, and Mariota drops the snap, picks it up, almost still almost gets the first, but if he gets that clean snap, they probably get the first game over. They had it first and goal up 23 to 10 with all the momentum and they lost the game. You had the failed two-point conversion by the Saints. You had the Lutz miss early in the game. There were so many things that you're like, oh, it's going to cost Saints the game. And now Atlanta's like, no, no, come on. No, come on, here, here, here. We'll give you another shot. We'll give you another shot. It's almost like the the, the reverse of the, the rigged, you know, booths at a carnival. You know, some guy, he's got these really nice jerseys up. It's like, you can win one of these authentic signed jerseys by some, you know, football player from years ago. Who even knows if the autograph's real? You're at a carnival. But, yeah, here's an old Mike Singletary jersey. Walter Payton. I, I, I met him in person before he died years ago. Really? You met him in person? You look like you're like 18. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm 38. I'm, I met him. Anyway, I'm getting off track. I'm describing carnival booths in way too much detail. The point is, you know, it's all rigged. They give you a shot. You give them some money. They're like, all right, double up. You have another shot. And they make it really close. They make it seem like you're about to win. And they, they're, they're, they're pulling all the levers. And you just you don't win anything. And if you're dumb, you end up giving them a bunch of money. But they, you just they keep putting their hand out there like, here you go. You can do it. Atlanta does that. But like reverse, they just keep putting their hand out and they're not rigging it. They're like letting you continue to win. They're like one of those claw machines that says 50 cents, but you play until you win. Not the ones with the big old giant stuffed animals that are probably only worth 10 cents, but your kid makes you put five bucks in until you actually grab it. I'm actually good at the claw machine. But like they're like the one that's like, here's the claw machine. We're not rigged and you get to play until you actually get something. Oh, here's some candy that's probably expired. That's the Atlanta Falcons. I, I honestly, I don't, I don't, they're, 
They there they were up twenty three to ten at home in a season opener with Marcus Mariota as their quarterback, beating their arch rival with a chance to go up thirty to ten. They can't get it in. I mean, they fum- Mariota again. He's going in. He's always oh, got a. It's gonna be first to go. He fumbles. I mean, I'm talking about the plays where I'm like, man, I thought the Saints had lost it with this play and then this play. Atlanta's list of plays where they just gave it to them is like twice as long. And that's hilarious. That's really, really funny. I mean, we're talking about 26 to 10 up in the the fourth quarter and losing a game to the Saints. And obviously the most infamous loss in NFL history from a losing standpoint is Atlanta being up 28 to 3 with 2 minutes and 38 seconds to go in the third quarter of a Super Bowl. But guys, look over the years. They were up on Miami recently. 17 to nothing in the second half they lost it. They were up to the Dallas Cat they were up on the Dallas Cowboys a few years ago 39 to 24 with less than five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. They had a 15-point lead on the Cowboys in the fourth quarter and lost. They were up on the Chicago Bears last year, 26-10. to 10. Sound familiar? Sound familiar? 26-10? to 10. They were up on the Bears last year, 26-10, to 10, with 6.22 to go in the fourth quarter, and they lost. They were up on the Buccaneers, 24-7, to 7, with 4.35 to go in the third quarter, and they lost. And yesterday they were up on the Saints 26 to 10 with 11-13 to go in the fourth quarter and they lost. If you want to know how to lose a game, just dial up the Atlanta Falcons. They'll show you. And they got a whole lot of tape on that. Hell, when the Saints blocked the field goal yesterday, did you see Quarter Al Patterson? He was laughing. He's like, "Yeah, I've 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 been here." I've been here for a minute. Yeah. Yeah. The Saints were 0-208 all time going into yesterday in games where they were trailing by 16 or more points in the fourth quarter. Now they're 1-208. and <laughs> I mean, it couldn't happen to a better team to just lose like that. Again, I'm still processing it all. Three three seven two six nine ten seventy seven. Good morning. Welcome into the Great Scott Show. Hello. Good morning, Scott. On the Saints indicators, quick comment on both. You asked why did this uh, Atlanta stop blitzing in the fourth quarter? Well, well, the Saints would hurry up. Well, it's a lot harder to blitz and call up there when the team's going hurry up and no huddle because you can't substitute. You can't send in your no, play. I, I understand that, Mike, the- but you can you can call a timeout, especially after you've – whenever they've got the ball back and now it's one possession and they went down four plays, I get it that first one. I get the four plays, right? You're, you're, you're being a little more soft. But once they do it once, you've got to be more prepared the next time around. I mean, you got to. Well, may, yeah, well, maybe they should have had something. in it. And, and Calling a timeout is something I guess they could have done, but then they may not have had it towards, towards the end well, of the game. Well, guess what? When there was a stoppage in play, the they credit. came out of it, they blitzed, and it worked. <laughs> it worked. I mean, they, they blitzed one time, it felt, I, I believe, there in the fourth quarter. And it was coming off of a dead ball. I think about, I think it was coming off maybe a media timeout. It worked. Like, you know how it goes, yeah. Mike. You can fake an injury. Teams do it all the time. All the time. Like, there were, there were a lot of ways 
that they could have. And I get when you fake an injury, right? You, you can only substitute that one player. I get it. But you get a stoppage in play. And you could say, that's oh, not sportsmanlike. I, I don't. You can believe that all you want. Every team at every level does it. Maybe not itty bitty little little league, but you know what I mean. They just and I'm not I'm not complaining about it. I'm glad they did it. I just don't understand why they did. It was funny. Yeah, a good move on the Saints to go hurry up. People say, why don't you do that all the time? Well, physically you can't do yeah, that for no. six for uh, four quarters. Right, right. No, it's not really. Not really. Right. Correct. I mean, I, I've I've always said that. that. I don't I don't I don't get why people. Why don't you just go hurry up all the time? It's like that's just not how the human body works, guys. Yeah. yeah. Do we know if Atlanta played their offensive and defensive lines more in preseason than the Saints did? Because you mentioned Hurts and Ramsack really didn't play in preseason for the Saints. I, and they, I, the I have no I, I have no idea. I'm not sure. I mean, it's hard for me to watch preseason football, but I mean, I'm definitely not going to watch a Falcons preseason game. You know. I don't. Yeah, I, 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 don't I can ask somebody problem. that covers the team, but but I'm not. I'm not really sure. It sure looked like in the first three quarters, and the Saints were getting a little better. That one team may have been more game ready for like that. Like they may have. That may have happened. I don't know. That's why I'm, I'm asking. Moving on to the Cajuns, I have one thought on the their offensive line is that when they play the big backs, Cabote uh, and Williams, on they get the carries on the early downs. With the offensive line struggles, those big backs tend to move the pile forward, and maybe that happened in the second half. And the schedule stays ahead of the teams, and then that then the passing game works. So I think we may see that more in the early games. And you may Chris Smith will still starts as a senior, but you may see as the game goes along, the other guys carry the ball more, and Chris be a third down back. And the difference between the two quarterbacks, Ben lets the ball get out of his hand faster. Chandler makes more throws, and uh, and Chandler I think is a little arm. more. Chandler's a little more. Yeah, but then if you watch the ball, the ball cuts. He makes a decision really quick. I make because he's looking to go to need more, not go with the deep. So it's easier to process that. So uh, you know, but other than that, I really don't see much difference with the two quarterbacks that are in the game. So uh, you know, I've always wondered about that. You know, if you're if you're a guard, you get to play. If you're a backup, well, not the quarterback. I understand that, but maybe it works because these two are so similar. Interesting. All right, I'll let you get on the other callers. Appreciate Thanks. it, Mike. Have a good one. ESPN Lafayette, let's keep the calls rolling here on the Great Scott Show. Good morning. Welcome in. Good morning, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, had a quick question for you. When Florida wasn't ranked and they jumped up to number 12 after being number 7 Utah, how come Marshall didn't make the top 25 or even App State make the top 25 after being number 6 Texas A&M? Is it because of the markets? Because you well, it's because they're in the Sun Belt and they're not in the SEC and they're not, you know. I mean, that's come on, you know that you're a smart guy. I mean, there's, <laughs> I mean, there's P five bias in the polls. There always has been. There always will be. I mean, that's that's just that's what I thought. That's just I don't a fact. call them the power five. I call them the privilege five. They get all the, but. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you know if Marshall and App State had won in Week One, they they absolutely would be in there. But the fact that you have A and M ranked in the AP poll and App State not ranked is, I mean, that's just that's it's it's absurd. It's absurd and ridiculous. But the polls have always been somewhat absurd and ridiculous. I mean, that's that's nothing new. Um, preseason polls are are kind of they're not going anywhere, but they've never made sense in theory. Um, it, it's yeah, uh, come on. You know why? I mean, yeah. you know why? Uh, if 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 it was if it wasn't Florida that beat Utah last week, if it was, uh, you know, 
I don't know, a, another G5 school, they probably wouldn't be ranked in the top 25. Exactly. Now, I was listening to what you were talking about, the fountains and the saints. I just think, think about this. The roles are reversed now. Back in the 70s and the 80s, the Saints used to always lose to the Falcons because of the, the Big Ben play, the miracle play at the end of the year or the end of the game. Now the roles are reversed. Now the Saints are getting on the bounces, and the Falcons are just shooting themselves in the foot. You're Is right. Is that kind of right? No, no, you're, you're, ab- you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. And I think the Saints, with that win yesterday, are one. So they're one game back of the all-time series. So in the regular season, all-time, the teams are now 53-53. and 53. And if you want to go all-time, Atlanta did beat the Saints in a playoff game. I was there. It was very unfortunate back in the early 90s. Chris Miller, he can shove it. But um, that so, – so Atlanta, if you include the postseason game, they played each other 107 times in Atlanta's 54 and 53. Uh, and the Saints, you know, it, it used to feel like that gap was so wide. But since 2006, I mean, the Saints have won the vast majority of these games. There was a small stretch uh, in, in 2016 and in 2017 where, um, you know, the Saints lost the two games in, in 20, the 2016 season and they lost – by three points in 2017 in a weird Thursday night game that had all kind of ridiculous calls. But outside of that, I mean, the Saints have had four game winning streaks in the series, three game winning streaks. Uh, they've won five of the last six. Uh, check that. They've actually won, let me think, one, two. I'm doing this off the top of my head, so don't hold me to it. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. They've won eight of the last 10. I mean, they, they, it, it, they've closed that gap in a hurry. And, you know, if they win their matchup later this season, it's tied all time. And then the Saints have a chance for the first time since the Saint. The only time the Saints ever led in this all-time series was for uh, the, the they played in 1967, and the Saints won by three. And then Atlanta won the next ten games in the series, and pretty much, you know, have have. It's been since 1969. Uh, was the last time the Saints, you know, actually had an edge in this series, and they have a chance to uh, to get ahead of it in in twenty twenty three. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the way it is. I mean, the Falcons used to be so much better, but not no more. The Saints pretty much owned the Falcons, and the Buccaneers might have looked good last night, but I don't think they're gonna look good next week. I'm sorry that they play the Cowboys, and the Cowboys are always overhyped. Overrated. They're like the Yankees in baseball. Always overhyped. Well, always. No, no, they're they're nothing like the the Yankees. Actually, win. <laughs> I mean, they're. I don't That's think true. they're anything like the Yankees. With respect, I mean, they they're, they're like the Yankees in that they get the coverage, but the Yankees actually win some games. They've actually won championships in this century. I mean, the Cowboys. They've won three playoff games in the last quarter of a century. I mean, it's exactly. You know, appreciate the call, well, my friend. Okay, thank you. I love it. Lines have been lit up and active this morning. When we come back, you'll hear from Juice Jarvis Landry. What a debut for him in a Saints uniform. Don't go anywhere. It's the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Are you ready for week two of Thursday night football? Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook 
the official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. You want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. See, it's simple. Bet on LA or Kansas City to win. If your team leads by seven at any point during the game, you get paid instantly even if your team loses. I'm Scott Prather, and I'm telling you to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code 1420 to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code 1420 only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. Physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. Bonus issued as free bets. One early win token issued at opt-in. Money line bets only. Deposit and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility in terms at DraftKings.com slash football terms. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. Sports talk that's so legit, it smells like beer and chicken wings. I mean, can't you smell it? I'm smelling barbecue, too. ESPN Lafayette, ESPNLafayette.com, and the ESPN Lafayette app. Scott Show on this glorious Monday. Oh, man. What a wild, wild weekend. Just football. Isn't it great? Isn't football the best? Isn't football just the best? In terms of Saints debuts, it was a hell of a debut for Jarvis Landry. Seven catches, 114 yards. Seven catches on nine targets. The 40-yard gainer was the biggest play of the game. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. And he had plenty of nice things to say after the win. Um, I told him, like, he really put us in these situations in training camp, you know. Uh, I think this was an opportunity to see all of that translate and come to life, like, I don't think for an instant we budged, you know, um, even on third and short, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, and we won. So, we start there. But, yeah, we can go yeah. from there. With Jamo. With Jameis. Yeah. Yeah, it was exciting, man. We was able to get in like a little two-minute, you know, hurry-up type of type of offense. And um, Jawan started it off, man. Great play coming out of off the the kickoff, and um, from there we just kind of kept on moving the ball down the field. I think what, four plays, three or four plays, and then Mike does what he does in the in the red zone, making big plays. And from there we just moved on, and defense got another stop. We was able to go out there do it again, um, and defense again come up big, you know, when we needed it, and that's what it's about. No, absolutely, man. Big time players make big time plays. Like that's not that's not like a statement. That's just you know that's not real. You know that's that's very real. You know, and shout out to both of those guys too. You know, this is their first game back on the field in a long, in a in a while. You know what I mean? And um, they made it plays when we needed them the most. Um, and that's what we're gonna need all year. Yeah, we were down 16. You know, um, with not a lot of time. Um, and we were just trying to put something together. Like I said, it started with um, Jawan's catch on, on their sideline, um, and then that led us to get into a two-minute situation 
um, with like 12 minutes to go. And, you know, from there, we just marched the ball down the field. Did you feel that momentum building? Did you guys like a little bit of early going? Yeah, I mean, you know, we understood the situation. Again, DA has done a great job of, you know, kind of helping us, kind of put us in those situations. Um, but at the end of the day, um, we knew that it was going to be one play at a time. Um, and we had to make plays, and I think that that's what every guy did. You know, we didn't we didn't blink, we didn't budge, um, and we just made plays. And with you guys kind of maybe being new together as an offense, like what do you learn about the team's character when they can't stick in a game like this and not maybe beat itself and figure out a way to win? Yeah, we definitely got played better in in the, in the first half, but you know that that second half was championship effort. You know, and that's what it's going to take, even in the regular season, you know, and we practice that way. Like I said, D.A. has done a great job. These guys, you know, work as hard as they can week in, week out, preparing, you know what I mean, throughout the training camp, just seeing the type of men we have in the locker room, the type of leaders, the type of culture that's here, you know, that's part of why, we, you know, we won that game, for sure. Hey, John, D.A. talked about how gritty and tough this team is, even before the season started. Is that something you saw when you got Absolutely. They practice crazy, like, like, uh, you know, DBs tackling receivers, you know, linebackers punching the ball out 30 yards down the field. You know, it felt like it feels like a game practicing out there, you know. And but that's I think that's the culture that I'm talking about. That's the type of stuff that gets you better each and every day. Um, that type of intent. What's it been like seeing Mike work his way back? It's been impressive. It's been impressive. You know, we've all I've always known about Mike. Um, and then obviously to, to see him work his way through training camp, you know, being from limited reps. Not supposed to do one on ones. Still jump into one on ones. You know the type of competitive spirit that that he has um, is something that this team thrives on. You know, when we get to the red zone tonight, uh, and he made those two t- two touchdowns for us when we needed him. You know, covered, making contested catches, and you know that's who we know him him to be. And he looked like he in that type of form again. So, do you want those passes, or you like go ahead and take them? Who? To Mike. No, no. Listen, we all make plays. We all make plays. You know. Um, and, and Mike is a special talent. When we get down there, you know, a guy like that deserves to get the ball in his hands. You know what I mean? So, um, and he's doing the most with it. So that's what it's about. And that's- Jarvis Landry, juice with a fistful of truth. Saints win. Wild weekend in the NFL. Wild weekend in college football. App State goes into Texas A&M, punks them 17-14. to 14. Really shouldn't have even been that close. You know, through the same amount of games at A&M, Kevin Sumlin had a better record than Jimbo Fisher has right now. App State. Did you see the atmosphere in Boone? What wasn't a home game at Boone. Did you see after the win what that campus looked like? You got to give them their credit. That's an incredible atmosphere. You know, do, you know who notices that kind of stuff? ESPN. You know where college game day is going? College game day will be in Boone this Saturday. And App State didn't play in Marshall, who, by the way, is 2-0. They should be ranked in the top 25. They beat Notre Dame. Um, No, they're playing Troy. App State is hosting Troy. And that's where college game day is going. Week three of the college football season, a Sunbelt matchup against two teams that are 1-1. Not that simple. You look at the Sun Belt, how it's risen, how good it is, how it had its best weekend in the history of the conference and the atmosphere. And yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. And what's hilarious is the App State, the, the Texas A&M loss. You know, well, they, 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 they buy a lot of their players, Coach Saban said it, not me. 
the NIL. The Aggies with one of the highest paid college football coaches who just paid App State $1.5 million to go in there and beat them had their yell like hell or whatever it's called. Actually, they probably don't say hell. It's, it's on AM's campus. The yell leaders, the midnight yell, that's what it is. The night before their, their, uh, their midnight yell pep rally on campus, listen to what this jabroni was saying about App State. I had to Google this team to make sure that they're even real. I was really confused because Appalachia is definitely not a state. But sure enough, I found them and they're located deep, and I mean deep, in the backwoods. Just like you would think any hillbilly college that names themselves the Mountaineers. I just hope that these guys can get here tomorrow all right, because I know for a fact that half of their football team can barely even read the name on their jerseys, let alone read a map. It's a shame that the only two brain cells that all these guys have left are going to get knocked out by our wrecking crew defense tomorrow. Now let's have a fight Texas yell practice. I mean, number one, that's, a, that's just offensive. Number two, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix's stand-up in Joker was better than that garbage. Holy cow, was that awful. Number three, that ain't trash talking in regards to college football, bro. That's just taking, like, bigotry to another level. By the way, Boone is beautiful. I've been there. These hillbillies, and they don't have any brain cells and Aggies. Yay! I mean, when I was a kid, I remember Aggie jokes. There were lots of them. And they were funny. That wasn't funny. It was a little offensive, but you know what? Sometimes comedians can get away with being slightly offensive if it's funny. That was awful. Yeah, you don't think App State loved hearing that and watching that after you're like, yeah, we just went punked you in your house and you gave us a million and a half dollars to our athletic department. Trash talking. Get on it. Talk about the other team, but boy, trying some offensive stand-up that would get you booed off stage in any one of those talent reality shows that's weak. I mean, the point, the jabroni, I mean, there was like, they got all kind of students at these, these midnight yells. All you hear in the background is you're like, Hey, yeah, Hey, Hey, Oof, that was bad. That was bad. Pretty dang funny, though, in retrospect. The Mountaineers mascot is named Yosef. They say Yosef because it's short for yourself. And I'm pretty sure they'd like to tell that midnight yell wannabe comedian to do something Yosef, if you know what I mean. And they did it on the field. That was funny. That's what was funny. Not that awful stand-up, but the game itself on Saturday was hilarious. How pathetic was that kick attempt, by the way, by the A&M kicker? 
mean, Bob Euchre with just a bit outside on Rick Vaughn's fastball. I mean, that's, I don't even think he could have dressed up that kick. See, it shows like this, guys, on Monday. I don't want them to end. It was such a fun weekend. It was so much great football. There was so much great content. Thank you to all the callers, all the listeners this morning. Everybody listening live, everybody listening after the fact right now on your smartphone or wherever you're listening to the podcast, I appreciate you. Big thanks to Coach Michael Desimo for coming on. Appreciate that. I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Jay Walker will be in in the 8 o'clock hour, working on a potential guest in the 7 o'clock hour as well. More of your phone calls. Going to be fun. The Dan Patrick Show is next on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports.